we are doing blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. It's the seventh of eight Beatitudes. So we've been looking at all seven so far. It's been building up to this. But before we look at what Jesus is blessing, I just want to pose a question, share an illustration and share some scripture for us just to have in mind as we start looking at it. The dilemma, it came up Friday, Friday, came up Friday with a few folks from the church here. When you go to bed at night, should the window in the bedroom be open or closed? Open or closed? Hands up for open. Closed. We've already got a mixture. We've already got a mixture. In the summer, I am more than happy for it to be open. More than happy. When it's cold, my preference is for the window to be closed. But when it's windy and noisy and stormy outside, I really like to have the window closed because it's not so much the fact that it's cold or anything like that and I'm scared of how the wind might get into the bedroom or anything silly like that. It's because I'm worried about what's going to happen to the allotment and whether the greenhouse is going to be falling over or whether the shed, which is mostly knocked over now anyway, was just going to collapse in the wind. Marion, whatever the circumstance, windows should be open. How do we handle that? Because it's more about my inner peace that's going on in terms of keeping me from sleep. But how we handle it can also lead to outer peace, being challenged as well. For what's inside us spills out. Now I need my my son-in-law to come and help me with this. When you are bumped into, you can kind of just about handle the stuff. But when... You are bumped in too hard. (laughs) It's really, really difficult for stuff not to spill out. What's inside us will spill out, depending on how hard we're pushed. Blessed are the peacemakers. There is some... Blessed are the peacemakers... That's my other son-in-law. I like son-in-laws. I really love my daughters. I really love my son-in-laws. Thank you. Just more over there, Samuel. (laughs) Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard it. Watch over it. For from it springs, from it flow the springs of life. And isn't that being what we've been looking at in terms of the Beatitudes. What happens when we mourn, when we're meek, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we're merciful, when we are pure in heart. All of this is trying to develop a character within us that when we get bumped into, life flows out of us. 
Finally, before we go in to look at this more, Isaiah 61 says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord, God is upon me. This is what Jesus said as he stepped up to read scripture. Just after he had been tempted, baptized, then tempted in the wilderness, and then started his ministry. He went into the synagogue and he read this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In Isaiah 61 it continues, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, and to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. To these who are poor, to these who are brokenhearted, to these who are captive, to these who are in prison and abound, to those who mourn, he gives this, that they may be called, so the broken, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, so that they may be healed, their lives may be turned around, and they be called oaks of righteousness, instead of being weak. Yeah, the description of which we heard earlier in Isaiah of weakness, they should be called oaks. Of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And these weak people, these who were once weak, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations. What dignity does God bestow? On those who are once broken. There is no life that is too broken, too captive, too caught up that their lives can't be healed and restored and then used in amazing ways to be able to rebuild cities. I on Wednesday I was up in London at a a gathering of a whole load of Christians with um, people in Parliament, MPs, talking about how can the church come together in the areas of well to serve the communities in the areas of well-being, early starts, so family hubs, and the cost of living crisis. And I just have this in mind all the time now that he wants to take those who have suffered from in all of those areas. And rebuild their lives for them to help to rebuild. And so that rebuilding of society and the need for rebuilding, the rebuilding of how lives are here in Tadley and in the surrounding villages, it's open to us. No one's excluded. But it's also open to those who will reach out. Isn't that wonderful? And so as we pick up Matthew's account, we're on there. 
Matthew is just telling this story of how he saw Jesus coming to be the Prince of Peace. And in Matthew 2, it says that where it talks about when the wise man came before Herod, King Herod, when the wise man came before King Herod and asked this crazy question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? We saw his star in uh, we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Then in chapter three at the baptism, so we have the king. In chapter three in the baptism, behold, a voice from heaven said, "This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased." And at the temptation of Jesus after the baptism, he goes for forty days into the wilderness. The temptation of Jesus by the devil twice, if you are the son of God. We have the king bringing his kingdom and we have the son of God. And then verse 13 of chapter 4. Next slide, please. Maybe. It says, he went and lived in Capernaum. When I read that this week, I was just like, I keep on hearing people, hearing Tadley, hearing this community, saying, I felt God call me to Tadley. I've got no real understanding why. He went, Jesus went, and lived in Capernaum. What's the story that Jesus is writing for you? Particularly for those who say, I don't know why I'm here. And he brings great light to people dwelling in darkness, to the region in the shadow of death. He says, repent, turn around. The kingdom of God is at hand. What you've been wanting is at hand. He calls people to follow him. To be fishers of men. And he went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the kingdom of God and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him. And seeing the crowds... We come to these familiar, I hope they're familiar words for us now. We've gone through this so many times now. Saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the more, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then a few weeks ago we got to, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Their passion is to see right relatedness and the right ways of living. And then most recently we've been doing this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So as we look particularly at verse 9, what is Jesus saying and what is he not saying? 
I think we could relate much more easily to blessed are those who love peace. I think most people love peace. Certainly want peace. Anybody not want peace? They want conflict? He's not saying in this context, blessed are those who seek peace. I think most people... If we think about our lives and what's happening, we are mostly trying to seek peace, to find peace, trying to get rid of conflict, trying to avoid conflict, certainly. It's not also saying, blessed are those who keep peace, keep us a peace. And that's getting harder. Those who are trying to keep peace getting themselves in trouble. He's saying, blessed are those who are peacemakers, who make peace. These are the ones that Jesus says are favoured by him. These are the ones when Jesus sees it, his response is, that is in sync with who I am. That's in sync with my spirit. That's in sync with all that I'm looking to do in the kingdom, bringing the kingdom. That's what I'm deeply passionate about. That's what motivates me. That's what we had been reading about happening in chapter 4. And what is he talking about in terms of peace? When we talk about peace, it's most likely either that inner feeling, that tranquility that allows you to go to sleep when the window is actually still open, Or that peace of mind in the midst of lots of turmoil that's going on. When you watch the news and so many different things are going on, how do you maintain your peace of mind? But he's not talking just about that. When we talk about peace, we certainly may be thinking about an absence of conflict. We desperately want to see peace in Ukraine at this moment in time, don't we? We want to see an absence. But for a Jew, they would be thinking of the word shalom, which includes all of these things, the inner peace, the absence of conflict, but it goes far bigger than that. Shalom makers are seeking for what's broken or missing to be restored to wholeness goes beyond just the inner thinking, how we think about things and the absence of conflict. Shalom makers seek for what's broken or missing to be restored to wholeness, to all that it's meant to be. Well-being and health is in our newspapers so often. It's in schools, it's in education, it's in, in our workplaces, It's this holistic sense of every dimension becoming whole again. And isn't this what those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, as we talked about it last time, isn't this what we're seeking? Those who are hungering and thirsting for right relatedness with God, with ourselves, with others, and also the world. To know the right ways to be able to live so that that is possible. And to be transformed for the inside out 
so that those are actually the ways we are able to live as well. Able to be merciful and to forgive because we've been shown mercy and we have been forgiven. Able to have a pure heart, an undivided heart, a heart that's motivated. These last two things that we've been looking at in terms of being merciful and having a pure heart are the characteristics that enable us to be peacemakers. Another one. Shalom makers live with the biblical vision of flourishing in the enjoyment of relationships. It's the biblical vision of shalom that we are seeking to be able to understand and to be partakers in, to be those ones who are making. And because it's the biblical vision, it's only the living God who can make this kind of peace possible. That is the narrative of the Bible, of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for right relatedness, and then making that possible. He is our peace, Ephesians 2.14 says. And this is a really interesting quote from uh, Martin Luther, Luther King. He says, in all he was doing, of trying to make peace. Yeah, His role in terms of the whole racial divide and everything that was happening in that. He was saying, I'm not coming to bring this old peace, which is merely the absence of tension. Just some rain going on in the inside here. Don't worry about the rain. Samuel to the rescue again. Mm. Martin Luther King said this, I come not to bring this old peace, which is merely the absence of tension. I come to bring a positive peace, which is the presence of justice and the kingdom of God. Peace is not merely the absence of something, it's the presence of something. And I love that phrase, that's just been with me. I need to turn this mic, this, it's very off-putting to hear myself that close. It doesn't give me peace. Not just something, but the presence of someone, I would say. If it's going to be the shalom that the Bible speaks of, it requires the presence of the God of peace. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, and this will be so familiar with us in the coming weeks as we go into Christmas. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the one who is born. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it, 
with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will do this. This is what God's passionate about. This is what God keeps on doing. And the interesting thing is, and he is like his father. This Jesus is like his father. Colossians 1.15 says, He's the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1.3, He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. So what we are seeing as we look, read those previous verses in Matthew 4, it's almost like a movie scene. And coming on to that movie scene, the title is The Shalom Maker. And my question to us all is as we live our lives, do we see the shalom maker coming into our lives and welcoming the king? Because he wants to partner with us to be the shalom makers into society. When Jesus in his gospel, when the kingdom comes and gets hold of us, gets hold of an individual or a community, when it gets hold of Tadley and the surrounding villages, when it gets hold of the authorities, ordinary broken people become partners in the divine work of shalom making and that's what we're called to. Because as we welcome him, what rules and reigns in his heart becomes what rules and reigns in our heart. That's the invitation to us all as we've been going through these Beatitudes and we're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your rule and reign come to me. We're in the essence saying, would the peace that rules in your heart be what rules and reigns in my heart? So that I have peace to be able to give. And I have peace to be able to make in every area of life. I just wondered, as you think about your family life. As you think about the community, your neighbours. As you think about the workplace in which God's called you to. Where is their tension? How are you responding to that tension? How can we find the peace of God in our heart that rules and reigns so that we can be the peacemakers? How does that happen in school? How does that happen in health? How does that happen in the homeless situations? And I love how we just keep on hearing different stories of how God is doing that already. And it comes as we just see the Beatitudes, the characteristics of the Beatitudes just formed in us because Christ is being formed in us. That's why we keep on just going back through to it starts with being poor in spirit. I can't do this on my own. 
the qualities that are required for us to be peacemakers in this world today, we go, I can't do this on my own. But I am enamored and I am inspired when I look at the life of Jesus and what he can do and what he's already doing through the lives of people. It happens as we become peacemakers, as we mourn over our own condition and over the condition of the world. As we seek to not lash out in anger in response to all that's going on, but we seek a more humble and a meek way that doesn't reduce the amount of passion that we feel about stuff, but it's just harnessed to respond, to bring peace. Let the peace of God rule and reign. And the blessing. They should be called sons of God. Jesus exemplified being a son of God. Brilliantly. That's the story we've been reading in Matthew. The king is born as the Prince of Peace. He's announced as the Son of God by the Father himself. He's tested as to whether he will be a Son of God. And then he goes out and shows exactly what it looks like. Those who are broken, God heals and he gives the dignity that they look and they respond like their Father in Heaven. I... I've only been starting to get to know people within Tadley recently because of starting to come here. And with the lunch club, I got to know Alan and Vicky and getting to know them in terms of what they're involved in. But I hadn't met any of their, um, their offspring at all. And then I met Tammy. And when I meet Tammy, one, I hear Vicky. <laughs> in terms of the mannerisms. But I see the combination of their hearts and their actions just personified in Tammy. It was mesmerizing to see. It was, she's going to be running the Christmas. Her and Nathan are running the actual Christmas lunch club this year, or the Christmas lunch for 70 people, we think, something like that. Tammy is like her parents. It happens. It happens. What a blessing and dignity for us to be called sons and daughters of God. And it can trip off our tongue, but do you savour that? Do you savour the fact that people will say, They are just like this God of heaven that I read about in the Bible. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So in response to all of this, how can we become peacemakers? Well, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to pick up again in January is going to really help us to see what does that really look like in action. But before we go into that, we have to recognize there is cost to being a peacemaker. 
And Pauline's going to talk about blessed are the persecuted. Those that despite the opposition that will come from being a peacemaker. The misunderstandings, the disagreements for the ways forward. But I feel that this morning, I feel God wants us to step in to say, do you know, this is my identity of being a peacemaker. When I step into being a peacemaker, I step into this is who I've always been made to be. And even now, I just wondered if you wanted just to, well, ponder that. As we leave this morning, as we spend the next week, spend the weeks after, as you enter into life every morning, wake up, would it be, I'm a peacemaker? Because that's what God's forming in us. That is the character of Jesus that is being formed in us. Affirm my identity, becoming like my father who I so love and admire, beholding Jesus as the image of my father as well, the invisible God. But in it as well is, in what way am I resisting the kingdom coming? Sometimes I don't want to be a peacemaker. Sometimes I just would like to have an argument. Because it's just got so annoying. And that's been, caused me enormous problems over time. Painful, painful situations has been caused because I didn't, I didn't really want the kingdom of God at that moment in time. I just wanted to have my say and have a really decent argument because I knew best. I didn't, and I didn't respond well. But recognize in our lives any resistance to the rule and reign. It's easy, I think, now that we've hopefully got this in mind. Welcoming the kingdom of God is to say, with what rules and reigns in your heart rule and reign in mine? Recognize the fear and just keep on affirming the gospel. The good news is that the kingdom is coming. Don't resist it. Don't resist it. That is the work of God. That was the work of Jesus. He was just going to keep on coming as the shallow maker saying, here comes my kingdom. This is what my kingdom looks like. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is part of our understanding of the identity in which we've been called to. And we will see how that works out as we read through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. Step into your identity. God has called you to peace. 1 Corinthians 7.15 says, God has called you to this. Sometimes, and Proverbs tells us this, it's worth having a plan for how you're going to bring about peace. When you find yourself in a situation that has just got out of control, have a plan. We've, as a number of leaders across Basingstoke, we've just been doing a course over the last couple of weeks, which is um, 
well, no, Managing Change and Conflict. I can't remember the title, but basically it's run by this wonderful organization called Place for Hope, who are mediators and skilled mediators, helping us to be able to understand when we're in situations of change and conflict, what do we naturally respond to? What's our, our conflict management style? And also, how does conflict actually start developing? How can we just maintain it at a place of we've got differences and we've got a problem to solve before it gets up to actually we've got a disagreement that is starting to cause this problem, which then escalates through to we've got a conflict happening through to people are fighting or they're leaving through to we've got an intractable situation which is really, really, really difficult to solve. In all of this, they were encouraging us to start having plans in place to work it through because they're encouraging us to have skills, developing the skills to help us actually practically bring about peace. And if anyone's interested in that, we've just had two sessions. We're more than happy just to be able to disseminate the information and say, here's what we learned, here's how we're trying to learn about it more. Um, One of the guys in our leadership team he said, I love this so much, I'm actually going to bring it into our workplace. It's that good. And we're going to have some more training on that. So plan for peace. And then Hebrews 12 and Romans 12. Strive for peace. It's going to take effort. And if possible, it says in Romans 12, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably. Sometimes it can't be because it's not up to us. But God just calls us to be peacemakers in where we can be. And as we just finish, let's remember how peace has come to us. We've been singing about it. We've had communion to remember how that peace came about had that amazing vision of what this prayer movement 24-7 is all about. This vision of Jesus. I just want to finish with this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins, their trespasses against them, and also entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, therefore, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If there is any resistance within you this morning, be reconciled to God. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him 
to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Father, thank you. for revealing to us that you are the God of peace. Thank you for revealing through scripture that you sent your son to be the prince of peace, the prince of Shalom. He stepped onto this earth and lived out this message of God bringing about peace in people. Reconciling us to God. Getting healed up inside so that our tension can be healed and released. So that we can have peace. So that your peace can rule and reign in our hearts. So that we might become peacemakers. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would anoint us afresh. The body of Christ. To be peacemakers in this world. And that for each one here this morning and each one online. And those who might listen to this later. That you would show them what you're calling them to be in what area in their home in their community in their workplace their place in the church would they know would they own this role this identity of being a peacemaker a shalom maker in every aspect of life experiencing that in every aspect of life In Jesus' name, amen.